a classic public policy dilemma. What do we do to limit the bad impacts of salting our winter roads while keeping the good impacts? Tune into today's episode to find out. This is the Maine Policy Matters podcast from the Margaret Chase Smith Policy Center at the University of Maine. I'm Eric Miller, Research Associate at the Center. On each episode of Maine Policy Matters, we discuss public policy issues relevant to the state of Maine. Today, we will be covering a report by Jonathan Rubin, Shalene Jane, Ali Shirazi et al. titled, Road Salt in Maine, an Assessment of Practices, Impacts, and Safety. In their report, they present the results from a research project by a team from the University of Maine in cooperation with the Maine Department of Transportation that examines the use of road salt in Maine for winter travel safety. This report was published by the Margaret Chase Smith Policy Center in April of 2022. Maine Policy Review is a peer-reviewed academic journal published by the Policy Center. We'll first briefly summarize the article and then speak with Jonathan Rubin and Brian Byrne, a highway maintenance engineer for the state of Maine. Since 2010, there's been an increase in accumulation of chlorides in freshwater and groundwater environments due to road salt in Maine, a trend consistent with the rest of the northeastern United States. The state of Maine has 45,586 miles of public roadway, more miles per person than any other New England state. This mileage is maintained by the Maine DOT, Maine Turnpike Authority, as well as 483 municipalities in 16 counties, as well as three reservations. There are largely three best management practices regarding dealing with snow and ice on the roads. De-icing, pre-treating roads with brine, and pre-wetting the salt as it's being spread. The latter two of those options being considered anti-icing. Anti-icing and de-icing are different approaches to achieving the same goal. Anti-icing is different from de-icing largely due to the timing of the treatment. Anti-icing is the pre-treatment of the road before snow and ice start to stick, while de-icing involves removing ice already on the road by plowing snow and applying sand for temporary traction and salt to melt the ice. Anti-icing is a principal best management practice by Maine DOT and currently uses this approach on almost all state roads by treating them before ice and snow are able to bond to the roadway. The Maine Turnpike Authority uses this on the entire turnpike. A survey shows that roughly 28% of Maine's municipalities use anti-icing while the rest use the de-icing approach. As mentioned earlier, anti-icing is a strategy that utilizes the application of pre-wetted salt early in a storm or by pre-treating the roads with a liquid brine. Pre-treating the roads with a liquid brine before a storm is another best management practice as mentioned earlier. Maine Turnpike Authority and Maine DOT do not use this method. 12% of municipalities reported pre-treating their roads. However, it is not specified whether liquid brine was the treatment of choice as opposed to pre-wetted salt. Pre-wetting salt involves the process of wetting solid salts as they are being applied, which has been shown to reduce the amount of salt that ends up in the ditch off the road. Pre-wetting can be an anti-icing strategy that the Maine DOT and Maine Turnpike Authority employ. Statewide, 71% of municipalities surveyed that they never wet their salt before spreading. Rubin et al. report that the most widely used material on winter roads in Maine is rock salt, or sodium chloride, because it is cost-effective and easy to handle. The total bulk salt purchases from distributors in the state in 2019 to 2020 amounts to approximately 535,000 tons. According to the author's calculations, 
they estimate approximately 493,000 tons, about 91% of the 535,000 tons of total bulk salt, were used by the Maine DOT, Maine Turnpike Authority, and municipal governments. This 9% is likely explained by the non-road use of salt on commercial and industrial parking lots and other private uses. This means that Maine uses roughly 787 pounds of salt for every Maine resident, or about 11 tons per lane mile per year. They also estimate that the cost of clearing winter roads statewide is $155 million, which translates to $114 per resident. Maine DOT is obligated to resolve well claims for private water supplies that are destroyed or rendered unfit for human consumption by constructing, reconstructing, or maintaining a highway, including the use of salts for winter road maintenance. This means that Maine DOT has spent an additional $53 million since 2006 to investigate, assess, and resolve well claims. While winter road maintenance practices allow for high levels of safety and mobility for residents. The consequences of our road salt use can be seen in the reduced water quality of some streams, contaminated wells, infrastructure and vehicle corrosion, and state and municipal budgets. Ruben et al. explained that, quote, as salt use increases, so do its impacts. One way to reduce salt is to change drivers' expectations of travel during a storm, end quote. Much of the impacts from road salt are to the aquatic environments in both the short and long term. Winter road maintenance is a significant source of total chloride loading to fresh waters. The short term effects are directly related to the seasonal timing of salt use with peak levels occurring in spring and fall. Several long term studies have shown an increasing chloride trend as well. This can be seen in the list of 20 streams the Maine Department of Environmental Protection has made of chloride-impaired urban stream watersheds. Just as we discussed in episode 1 of this season with regard to wind development, Maine can learn from other states regarding how to manage road salt impacts. For example, Connecticut has followed New Hampshire's statewide program for training and liability protection to winter contractors. New York has also proposed a road salt applicator training program. They also pilot a program for road salt reduction that is saving the state costs in some Adirondack communities. The main reason salt is used on our roads is to ensure traffic safety for those who need to travel after a storm. According to the report, approximately 67% of all lane departure crashes from 2010 to 2019 occurred during the winter period. Federal Highway Administration data shows that the winter period accounted for an economic loss value of $618 million on a yearly average during the 2010 through 2019 period. Maine DOT also reported that the yearly average cost was $309 million from fatalities alone. The authors suggest a few recommendations for mitigating the ongoing concern for road salt use. The first is that the public needs to better understand the fiscal and environmental costs of winter maintenance. They suggest that all levels of government, Maine DOT, Maine Turnpike Authority, as well as municipal, need to better articulate the trade-offs for different levels of service. The second is their recommendation that Maine develop a statewide chloride reduction plan that identifies and prioritizes salt reduction in regions with environmentally sensitive areas on already impacted areas. To accomplish this, they suggest Maine DOT and Maine DEP increase their monitoring of chlorides in water bodies and make this information easily accessible to the public through a data dashboard, which would also contribute to the goal of public awareness. 
Funding sources should also be identified to help underfunded municipalities upgrade their equipment, training, and winter practices. Finally, the authors recommend collaboration. They write, quote, Maine could benefit from stronger connections between university research, environmental monitoring, and road practitioners. An examination of the partnership structures and practice in other states in New England at both state and municipal levels may offer models for collaborative partnerships in Maine, end quote. Now that we have covered the report, we'll hear from Jonathan Rubin, professor at the University of Maine, director of the Margaret Chase Smith Policy Center, and contributor to the report. After him, we'll hear from Brian Byrne, a highway maintenance engineer for the Maine DOT. Thank you for joining us today, Jonathan. My pleasure. Thank you, Eric. So to start off, what are some of the most significant trends and differences since your last report that was released 10 years ago? Well, I think in some senses, what's changed is really what has not changed. What has changed is the weather. Uh, climate change has made uh, the frequency and intensity of storms greater. We've all seen that very recently. And with the changing weather, you do get changing freezing thaw patterns, which changes the way you want to manage and control uh, your winter maintenance. So uh, that is a that physical change is something we have to adapt to in the state in terms of our winter maintenance practices. Um, also, it's sort of changed and yet stayed the same is that the costs are still high. About, a, uh, about 10 years ago when we did this, it was about $100 million uh, across uh, the main turnpike authority, the main um, uh, Department of Transportation and the municipal governments, with municipal governments covering about 80% of the um, roadway uh, in terms of maintenance. Um, and now we're at to, up to about $150 million. So in some senses, what stayed the same uh, is that the costs are still really high, and they're going high for a number of reasons, including uh, weather, as I mentioned, but also the price of inputs goes up, price of labor goes up. So our costs are not declining, but in fact, rising over that time period. And that's something that uh, everybody should care about. Yeah. And uh, not every town feel in Maine feels the effects equally as Maine is a, from a biophysical standpoint, um, experiences very different conditions from coastal to mountainous ranges. Uh, so the way that you finished the last uh, bit of your answer there about how costs are changing uh, recently, um, do you expect to have winter costs to continue to rise? I, I do. Costs are going to rise unless we collectively as a state, that means Maine Department of Transportation, Maine Turnpike Authority, and the towns, right? The towns are responsible for 80% of winter road maintenance. So unless people make changes to the way we um, maintain our roads, how quickly we clear them, get them down to pavement. If unless we make changes, why we're not going to expect any changes in the cost because materials are not going to get cheaper. Labor is not going to get cheaper. Equipment's not going to get cheaper. So there's no reason to think the costs are going to go down unless we make changes. And those are going to be policy changes uh, at, the, at the state and local level. That makes a lot of sense. So something I found pretty interesting about the report is that many towns spend uh, a, like quite a variation of range of costs um, in terms of maintaining the roads in winter, even if they're at similar sizes. Uh, would you care to elaborate on, on why that is? Well, so some of the cost differences in towns 
are due to just where they are. Western interior is quite a bit different in terms of needs versus Southern coastal versus an island community. They have very, they are very different towns in terms of snow impacts, ice impacts, freeze thaw cycles. Um, so part of it is, is just fate of where people are. But some of it is also policy decisions. Some towns clear sidewalks, others don't. And so that clearing sidewalk cost goes into the uh, winter maintenance costs. So those are, again, I'm not saying I love, I'm a walker. I think we should clear sidewalks, not saying we shouldn't, but that is a reason why you have some cost differences uh, in towns. Uh, another major reason you have cost differences in towns, we think, because it's it's hard to know for sure, but we think it's because of choices that uh, towns are making, how quickly to get the roads clear. Uh, how uh, do we do our secondary or tertiary roads brought down to bare pavement or is some standing snow uh, left there for and, and people are told to slow down and drive more slowly on snow-packed roads. Now, what you expect for the interstate is not what you're going to expect coming out your driveway. And there's differences in those uh, types of roads and how to maintain them. So some of that is a choice. Another difference is some towns use their own employees, municipal employees, and other towns contract out to to, um, to private contractors. Again, those explain some of the differences in, in the per town costs, uh, but not all. I think a lot of this may come down to, and, it, and it's hard to know for sure, but a lot of this may come down to just this, uh, policy level choices at the town about how quickly uh, they want the snow cleared and how thoroughly. I see. I see. It's. I know that me personally driving around in, in winter, uh, particularly after a storm, I was in Hamden recently, and I saw a flurry of, of contractors uh, clearing out all of the, what I believe to be contractors, whether it's by the municipality or, or individual businesses, were, were putting in a lot of work. Um, and so it, it's interesting to uh, get an idea of how um, some of these operations vary so much because you think it's snow clearing. So it seems like a pretty uniform type of approach. But in fact, there are significant differences in how different areas handle their specific situation and decide to go with um, this, the route that they do. Yeah, that that's correct. So, so some of it's beyond. So, some of it is beyond the control of towns, and some is within is is within their control. And in these are these are these are things that towns should talk about. We talk about school budgets. We talk about police budgets. I think talking about winter maintenance budgets and expectations is is a perfectly reasonable thing for towns to talk about because it affects our tax rates. Absolutely, and and the costs outlined in the report, uh, which I encourage people to check the executive summary of the report uh, because there are some pretty shocking figures in there. Uh, to finish things off, uh, what is something you'd like to share that we haven't covered already? I think one thing, we know that safety, um, We why do we clear roads? We, we clear these roads for mobility and safety, and it's really important. I wouldn't want anyone to say uh, Professor Rubin or Jonathan Rubin is um, advocating we don't clear our roads. We need clear roads for our economy and for safety. And it's not an either or, these are choices that we make. Uh, but safety is something we really, really uh, have to pay attention to, especially with younger drivers and older drivers. And so I think thinking of just remembering getting to your destination as fast as possible after snow days may not be the wisest choice. 
Makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Professor Rubin, and I look forward to having you on again sometime. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Sure, glad to be here. The main DOT costs related to winter expenditures have risen from about $30 million to $46 million from fiscal year 2016 to fiscal year 2020. What are the most significant reasons for this increase? Well, when you look at uh, two specific winners like those two, um, a lot of that is just related to the winter severity. Um, so we had a little bit more of a mild or actually it was quite mild winter back uh, in 15 to 16. And, um, you know, the 19 to 20 winter was a little more severe. Uh, but absolutely, uh, snow and ice costs have, you know, just been on a continuous increase for the last decade or so. And especially in this past year. Um, and that's on pretty much every single line item. Um, so when you're looking at labor, um, all of those costs relating to labor, uh, all the benefits for the labor, uh, that's all increased. Salt increased dramatically this past year. It went from $63 a ton on average that Maine DOT pays up to over $80 a ton. Um, so that was a very dramatic increase um, that hit us all at once. Uh, same thing with uh, trucks. Uh, trucks have gotten very expensive. If you can get them, they're very difficult to even get. Um, it's very difficult to get parts. Um, all the parts have increased. Uh, plow blades, we used to be down around, say, $35 a foot, and now you're up around $100. It's, uh, it's just been every single thing that you can think of has increased in cost. Um, you know, not only just the regular cost of living increases that you normally see, but there's just been all the challenges that, that are facing more than just the snow and ice industry right now. Um, they're facing a lot of industries, um, but they've all kind of hit and uh, hopefully they're going to, you know, not be quite so bad going forward. Um, you know, the, we've seen the diesel prices spike up and, you know, now they seem like they're kind of stabilizing a little bit and hopefully they'll stay that way, but, um, or maybe even go back down, which would be nice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been quite an increase uh, over, over time. Wow, uh, Maine DOT <laughs> uh, has, is a similarly affected to economic conditions as, as the rest of us, um, which uh, I didn't do. We in the public uh, don't hear about specifically these things very much. Um, I had no idea, like the price of salt, for instance. Uh, do you mind elaborating on? Uh, I'm very curious about why salt prices increased for folks like you. Sure. Yeah. Well, well I don't know if many people realize, but there's plenty of salt. There's there's no shortage of salt on the on <laughs> earth. Um, <laughs> we get most of our salt from Chile. And um, but what it relies on, of course, is the availability of ocean freight and, of course, any fuel costs associated with running all of that freight um, are going to affect it as well. So it's based on just supply and demand of the ships that are out there and um, and on the fuel. So moving that salt from Chile up to uh, Maine, it's, it's like a four week process to do that. Uh, they come right through the Panama Canal. And um, it's just, uh, you know, that, that becomes more expensive. So that's, that's been what's mostly affected that. Um, we also get salt from, you know, mines around the country. Um, sometimes you can get them out of New York. Sometimes you get them out of Canada. Uh, Northern Maine is uh, supplied from a mine up in Sussex, New Brunswick. 
that used to be a potash mine and salt mining salt was a waste product of that but they've um, started mining salt only out of that mine in the last couple of years so we get some out of there and um but you know that price went up just as much in fact that's that's our most expensive salt that's uh up close to a hundred dollars a ton wow okay i had no idea the the global supply network of, of salt um fascinating and it's all one of those resources that human civilization has been mining and getting in some way or another uh forever um and the fact yeah. that it's not a scarce resource is kind of amazing but also makes a ton of sense yeah. um so in the report crashes were demonstrated to have been increased during snow and rain how can drivers best avoid an accident and make roads safer yeah i that that is uh key it, it's you know as as your the uh, Margaret Chase Smith Center report uh calls out there's um a lot that goes on with snow and ice control it's not just what Maine DOT does but it's what we do as a society and um you know what we expect our roads to be like and how long of a you know a disruption can we take with a storm how long can it take to get back to bare pavement and things like that but a big part of that, of course, is all of us as individuals taking a look at what our needs are. And if we are the type of person that lives in Maine and has a need to be out driving in storms, you want to make sure that your vehicle's prepared for that uh, going into the winter. Um, you want to take a good look at your tires. And if you are someone who has to drive in most storms, you need snow tires. It's these all season ones. It's that's really not what an all season tire is best for is running in a main winter. Um, there's a huge difference to put snow tires on a vehicle. So if you're gonna be running out in storms, do that. If you can avoid storms for the most part, like if you can, you know, if, if you're using vacation or if your business, you know, shuts down during most snowstorms, or you can, you know, However you avoid it, if there's ways to avoid travel during the storms, then you might be able to get by with an all-season type of tire. Um, but if you're going to be out in it, you're really going to want an all-season tire. Now, a lot of people think of that as an extra expense. You know, you're buying two sets of tires. But one of the things that they don't consider is the fact that when you're changing to a snow tire in the fall and changing back to your regular tires in the spring, you're rotating those tires. So the tires, both sets, are going to last much, much longer and, you know, so you really don't in the long run, the cost is not that different. It's actually better for you. And the fact that you are safer in your travels during the winter because you've got more appropriate tires for that, um, you know, that's, that's even more important. So that's the first thing is just make sure that you think about how you need to drive during the winters in Maine and that your vehicle is prepared for that. Now, when you get into a specific storm or, you know, just driving in any kind of, you know, problematic weather, it's just a matter of slowing down. Um, you know, a lot of times people just kind of get rushing and, um, you know, some of the most dangerous storms are the snow squalls. And I think that's just because the day's bright and clear and people are just trucking along and then they come flying right into a snow squall and they're just in the middle of a condition that they hadn't really it hadn't built up on them, you know, it just was on them before they knew it. And it's one of the causes of some of the most severe crashes that are out there. 
So when you see snow, when you drive into snow, uh, just slow it down. The, the slower you can go, the, the better off you're going to be. Because um, once you get ice between the road and your tires, um, there's really not a heck of a lot you can do. So you just got to make sure that you're going slow enough that the impacts are lessened. Makes a lot of sense. I, I saw in the report that as, as speeds increased, as did crashes. And, Absolutely. And so um, this, if you can avoid the storm, that's great. But if you can't, snow tires and slow down makes, makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, they've got a lot of really good snow tires out there now. The, uh, the technology of snow tires has gotten better. And there's some out there that are just as good as snow tires with studs, and they don't have studs. Um, so there's a lot of really nice stuff out there. So, yeah, you can spend a little bit of time looking up some ratings and things like that. And, um, you know, there's, there's some good options. Good to know. Good to know. Looking forward, how does Maine DOT think about climate change and technological development with regard to snow and ice control? Could you speak to how these factors affect infrastructure and budgetary planning? How does it vary across coastal and more populated areas in the state versus northern and western Maine? Uh, a nice and easy one for you. We warmed up to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a lot there to unpackage. Um, so I guess we'll, let's let's take that in pieces. Um, snow and ice control, it's, it's kind of unique in that there's aspects of it that don't change a whole lot. And that piece is mostly the fact that you're using a freeze point depressant of some sort. Um, so that's typically sodium chloride that we're using to do that um, to battle the snow and ice. And that's been around for decades and that's probably gonna be around for, you know, for the foreseeable future basically. So that really doesn't change too much, um, but a lot, of the technology affecting the information that we get, um, you know, the information we use to make decisions, the equipment that we use, all of that um, changes pretty regularly and as the technology is always advancing in that regard. So just as an example, um, that we uh, use these weather stations called road weather information systems. And if you're driving down the interstate, you might see it's, it looks like a utility pole right behind some guardrail, and it's got a bunch of uh, solar panels and devices on it. And what these devices are, is they're just weather monitoring devices. There's a camera on there, and there's pavement temperature sensors, and you know, just all sorts of things that are gathering information for us. So we put these in various locations along the highways, and then we can also do a thing that's called thermal mapping which is where we drive the corridor, the entire corridor that these Arwa stations are located on. And we get a thermal profile of the roadway surface. And you do this under some different conditions. So what this does is it shows you your warmer spots and your cooler spots on the highway, but it'll also relate it to your Arwis so that now you can look at an Arwis and it can now predict that, okay, this is the information at this one spot where all these sensors are located, but yet four or five miles up the road, you now have an idea of what's going on up there as well, because you have this thermal mapping profile that goes up through there. Um, so that's just one example of tools that, you know, are fairly new in helping us understand uh, what's going on with the roadways. They're useful for predicting when your temperatures 
uh, dropping down and hitting the dew point and you're getting moisture coming out of the air and freezing up the road surface, we can now predict that a little more accurately than we used to be able to in the past. Um, so that's just one piece of it. Another piece of technology that's associated with those same stations is what's called a grip sensor. So this is just a video device that looks at the roadway, but yet it's able to figure out whether you've got water on the road, ice on the road, snow on the road, or a combination thereof. And it sort of calculates how slippery that road surface is. So this helps us make decisions on when to apply and how much to apply uh, to the roads. So it's a very useful tool in that regard. It's also good for providing some metrics. It helps us understand that when we treat a road, how long did it take for that road to recover? Um, so this is you know, really useful technology. That same type of technology is now available on mobile devices. So we can now attach this type of device to a uh, truck and drive a corridor and get a profile of the grip along that entire corridor. So you can find the areas that are slippery and the areas that are not so slippery. Um, so then another aspect of technology that comes into play with this is a process called MDSS, which is a maintenance decision uh, support system where trucks are outfitted with um, its GPS, AVL, there's a lot of different terms for it, but it's basically you are tracking where all your vehicles are located throughout your network. And you can also see how much salt they're applying and you're recording all of that. Um, so when you're looking at your fleet and you're looking at the salt applications and you're looking at the coming weather and the past weather and the impacts that your salt applications have had on the corridor, all of this can kind of be combined into these systems that these MDSS systems that then help snow fighters take and make decisions about what their next application might be and when it might be into the future. Um, so there's just a lot of improvements in technology um, that take the basic uh, art of applying um, salts and sands and things of that to a, to a roadway surface with a truck, um, but also being able to really make sure that there's a level of accuracy in there that we never had the ability to reach before. Wow, that is so fascinating and makes sense. And what a tool to help make uh, more efficient decisions, especially among increasing costs. I, I imagine that uh, you can you can make allocation decisions much more informed, and that's yeah, enraptured by by that. Um, yeah, thank you. From a, yeah, from a um, you know a region sort of a standpoint, um, the other thing that this has helped us with is you know monitoring of of more remote locations. Um, a lot of these types of devices uh, come with the ability to send alerts, so you can set up alerts that say if I see the uh, temperature dropping and it looks like the road's going to freeze, uh, send a text message you know, or send an email, or, you know, and we have a transportation management center that's running 24 seven and they're getting these alerts and these notifications so that they can call out the crews uh, in a more timely manner than we were able to without these tools. Very interesting. Um, so in terms of uh, the technological uh, innovations are, are, are fascinating. Um, so in the coastal areas and 
as opposed to up over into the more mountainous spots. Uh, we have this freezing th thawing um, happening a lot in the winter. Uh, over the past few years and looking ahead, um, it seems like that'll be more of the status quo and um, Maine's pretty used to ice. So um, how have these, um, how have those conditions affected some of the decision-making uh, that might be different if you, if I'm up over in um, a more mountainous, like Somerset County area? Sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. As the temperatures warm, um, we are seeing more icing. Um, we're seeing later freezing of the ground. Um, so like you just take a look at this year, um, you know, it's, it's getting really, really cold today. But um, this has been, you know, January was one of the warmer Januaries. And uh, we have a system for tracking our roads um, for, for when the frost comes into the ground and when the frost leaves the ground. Because as you may or may not be aware, when, when you get into the spring months and frost starts leaving the ground, your roads go into this really vulnerable state that affect how we can truck on those roads. Um, because we have to start limiting weights, otherwise the pavements get ruined. And um, we used to count on a fairly lengthy time during the winter of, you know, totally frozen ground that adds extra support and allows, uh, you know, extra weight even. Um, in fact, there's even a law on the books that um, looks at uh, axle weights uh, not being enforced uh, through the January, February timeframe because the roads were assumed to be not as susceptible. Um, but yet here we are now in a global warming situation where when January and February was always solidly frozen, it, it has not been uh, this year. So uh, in a lot of areas. So that that's, that's a kind of a challenge for us. When you're looking at, um, you know, so your question was about comparing uh, the mountains with with the coast. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're certainly going to continue to have uh, the more of the icing right along the coast, uh, even more so. But I think what's also happening is we're starting to see more icing than we ever used to see in more of northern Maine and western Maine. Um, because, you know, by the time you get far enough away from the ocean, uh, you didn't really have as much of that uh, going on, but we're seeing more of it um, with this warming that's been happening. So it, it adds a different level of uh, challenges to snow and ice control, because certainly as you're adding more moisture and you're getting more freezing rain types of events, uh, these will dilute your salt products much quicker. And so as they get diluted, they have to be replenished more readily. Um, so that becomes more of an expense. Okay. Thank you for indulging the question, uh, or questions rather. Um, <laughs> sure. The uh, main DOT is, is, is armed with quite a few uh, tools at their disposal. Quite fascinating how these specific technologies can be employed in ways that you never interact with. You just see as an average citizen, you see plows out on the road. You might see main DOT trucks or people uh, on the side of the road taking like traffic measurements. Um, otherwise, yeah. you don't really see what's what's um, going on there. So we get a little peek behind the curtain. I'm really enjoying that. Uh, before we go, uh, is there something you'd like to share that we haven't covered in our few minutes this morning? Um, 
Well, basically, um, I think it's just good to, uh, you know, share that report that the uh, Margaret Chase Smith Center had written. Um, I think it brings up a lot of good points and makes some of these things, um, share some of these concepts with people um, so that people understand that snow and ice control is, it's a choice that we can make. Uh, we can choose to have a little bit lower level of service, uh, end up saving a little bit of money. Um, you know, it, it takes a little longer for the roads to come back, but yet you have less of an impact on the environment and things of that nature. Um, but the more that you push for uh, bare pavement uh, quicker, um, there's a there's repercussions to that. It's it requires more materials, and there's going to be uh, more potential impacts uh, resulting from salt on the environment. So it's a definitely a balancing act that uh, Maine DOT um, and all the other public works entities across the state and in any winter climate um, are constantly wrestling with, um, because you certainly don't want to see accidents on the road. Uh, you want people to be safe to get from point A to point B. Um, but there are a lot of other factors that all come together to decide how any particular road is treated and handled from a policy basis. Always those pesky trade-offs. Yeah. Thank you for joining us this morning, Brian. It's really been a pleasure. Okay, thanks. What you just heard was a summary of a report titled Road Salt in Maine, an assessment of practices, impacts, and safety, and an interview with Jonathan Rubin and Brian Byrne. There is a link to the Margaret Chase Smith Policy Center's website in the description of this episode where the report can be found. Maine Policy Review is a peer-reviewed academic journal published by the Margaret Chase Smith Policy Center. For all citations for data provided in this episode, please refer to the original article in Maine Policy Review. The editorial team for Maine Policy Review is made up of Joyce Rummery, Linda Silka, and Barbara Herity. Jonathan Rubin directs the Policy Center. Thank you to Jason Heim and Catherine Swaha, scriptwriters for Maine Policy Matters, and to Daniel Susi, our production consultant. In two weeks, we'll be covering the past, present, and future of race and public policy in Maine. We'd like to thank you for listening to Maine Policy Matters from the Margaret Chase Smith Policy Center at the University of Maine. You can find us online by searching Maine Policy Matters on your web browser. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on your preferred social media platform to stay updated on new episode releases. I'm Eric Miller. Thanks for listening, and please join us next time on Maine Policy Matters.